Welcome to LilyPod episode 69, Radical Acceptance. Jeff and Kathy Teichert, bringing you another episode of LilyPod, a production of Love in Later Years. We are certified life coaches, authors of the Amazon bestseller Intentional Courtship, and members of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Our messages are directed toward mid-singles and later married couples. We also welcome all who enjoy personal growth and enriching relationships. Hi, friends. We have a great episode tonight on a very important topic. And before I introduce that, I want to tell you that uh, I went through quite a lot following my divorce. And I've mentioned this on other episodes, but I I was really pretty deeply depressed for about four years. Uh, Woke up every day feeling like someone had just kicked me in the stomach, and I carried that icky feeling around all day long, and I took it to bed every night, and it was relentless. And with the things I've learned related to this episode, uh, you don't have to go on and on and on in grief like that. So the topic for today is radical acceptance. Um, Kathy, what is radical acceptance to you? How would you define it? Well, I think the radical part kind of gives us this feeling of, you know, maybe beyond our comfort zone, maybe a little beyond what we would normally think. Right. And I think that's important together with acceptance when certain life circumstances come into our realm of being and we're just not quite sure what to make of it. Right. So... The, the, uh, the point here, of course, is to accept what is. That doesn't mean you have no control or power over how things change, but it means accepting what is. If somebody dies, all of the wishing, all of the hoping, all of the agonizing about it is not going to bring that person back. And radically is fully... And completely. Right. I want to give an example uh, on that. And this is a very simple example, but uh, about, I don't know, 15 years ago, uh, I had a stomach ache for about a year. And I went to different doctors and they tried certain things and nothing helped. And this wasn't the same gut ache you felt from your divorce. This was no, this, right? was, this was different. Um, it was it was more of a painful cramp, not like a deep hollow ache, and it would it happened in my lower abdomen, and I was worried about appendicitis and all kinds of stuff at first, and then it kept going on, but without resolution, and ultimately I was diagnosed with celiac disease, uh, which is an intolerance to gluten, and gluten is the protein in wheat, rye, and barley, and so. I had to stop eating any of the, anything made with those three grains, with wheat, with rye, and with barley. 
and rye and barley aren't so common. I mean, I always liked rye bread, but I didn't eat it all that often. Uh, but wheat is in everything, as you know. And so my, uh, my doctor that diagnosed me was sort of giving me the rundown on what I was going to have to do. And that was basically to abstain from gluten. And I said, well, how long am I going to have to do that? And she said, forever. I said, really? She says, there's no cure for this except avoiding gluten. And so, yes, you have to find substitutes or, and, and I mean, literally when I walked into her office that day, um, I didn't know what celiac disease was. She had asked for some blood tests and things. Uh, but this was a while ago, maybe 15 yeah. years ago, something like that. Yes. But I didn't even know what celiac disease was. I didn't know what gluten was for that matter. And so it was a big, you know, it was a big thing to swallow, a hard pill to swallow, if you will. Uh, but I remember having the thought, okay, this is a little bit like being diabetic, uh, where I know in certain situations, I might have to take insulin or I might have to restrict my diet way more than other people. And this is just what is. This is just the facts of life. There's no fair or unfair about it. I mean, you know, you can say it doesn't feel fair that I have to abstain from gluten when everyone else can eat it. But to them, it's food. To me, it's poison. So that's you know, that's a big, huge difference. And I literally walked out of my doctor's office that day and have not knowingly eaten gluten ever since. Uh, so it was like an immediate change. And I know there were, there were actually, I mean, I was referred to gluten-free support groups and other stuff to help me cope with accepting it. But uh, honestly, it didn't require that. I just radically accepted that, okay, this is a medical condition. And if I want to, to be uh, moderately healthy, I need to follow these restrictions. You know, Jeff, what I think is interesting about this situation is you can notice looking back a time when you radically accepted something before you even knew what it was. Right. Before and, I knew what radical acceptance and was. And you can see how much pain it spared you. Right. You didn't have all of that negotiating to do with yourself about your diet. You just changed it. Right. That's true. And then what I think is interesting is that it was after that, when you got divorced, that's something that did not feel tolerable to accept. Right. And so you caused yourself a lot of extra pain. Obviously, everyone's going to feel pain when they lose a loved one, whether it be death or divorce, there's going to be pain in that. Um, just like there might have been like a little bit of a painful transition to this new diet while you were figuring out what to eat. Right. Um, but ultimately, you didn't let it cause you extra pain because you of the, how radically you accepted it. Correct. Versus your divorce that came later, you knew how to do radical acceptance, but not about that. So it might be maybe each person has their own things that are harder to accept than others. And it's the things that we are really hard to accept where I think taking a look at radical acceptance and choosing it in the moment, or as soon as you know about it, that can spare a lot of pain. Right. 
I think uh, with respect to my divorce, it was that was harder because even though it wasn't within my control, it was something that somebody chose. Whereas, you know, I didn't choose to get celiac disease, not consciously anyway. Uh, it just sort of happened to me. And so I, I could sort of accept it. But but other people's choices also happen to us. That's right. And, and we have to decide how to respond, just like we decide how to respond to something that happens to us that isn't someone else's choice. Right. And we have choices, but one of those choices isn't to, t to change the other person. And that's what we often try to do in situations where we're feeling a lot of grief or disappointment. And speaking of grief and disappointment, the term radical acceptance was coined by psychologist Marsha Linehan. And she taught that while grief and disappointment are normal emotions, suffering results when the initial pain is prolonged due to a lack of acceptance. And, and so, yes, you're going to feel some pain when you go through something. If you've been divorced or if you've lost someone to death, or, you know, what if you're disappointed because you are a 40-something and you've never been able to marry yet uh, and, and saw your life somewhat differently at a younger age, well, naturally, you're going to feel some grief or disappointment over the way things turned out. We are not here saying, okay, just decide to radically accept something and you won't suffer anymore. It's really more about making that suffering or that pain clean rather than dirty. And clean would be accepting what is and saying, okay, what, where do I go from here? And then feeling the emotions that come up naturally with, with that adjustment. Right. And, and so, yes, you're still going to grieve if someone dies or if you get divorced or you still may feel disappointed, uh, if you're having to adjust your expectations of life because you thought by now you'd be married and have three kids running around. Yeah, that's, you know, that's going to be painful. But the pain doesn't need to be prolonged like I described with my divorce. And, and I wasn't really familiar with, with this tool we call radical acceptance. Even though time. you'd done it before. I had done it about a medical condition. <laughs> But I didn't do it about my divorce. Yeah. And, and I think sometimes when the mind understands, the heart can follow. Mm. And, uh, and so we're teaching this concept of radical acceptance so that it's kind of a tool to think with, mm. if, you, if you like that description. And, you know, I was actually thinking the opposite, that when the heart understands, the mind can follow. And... I, w I, I guess I was contemplating our FCBO model and how in our life coaching practice, we help people to shift their thought patterns in everyday life to, to better serve them. And I feel like radical acceptance is something almost that we kind of put in our heart and mind that helps us skip a lot of those steps. Like, yeah, I mean, we don't have to work so hard to shift our thoughts. If we are accepting what is, then we're working with reality rather than what we wish it were and having to and trying to fight against it. Yes. If if 
we're, if we radically accept something rather than fighting against it, and you know all the stages of grief, denial is one of those. Radical acceptance is the opposite of denial. Uh, bargaining, you know, if you're radically accepting what is, you're not bargaining. You know, you're not trying to make deals with God or figure out some way out of an impossible situation. Now, I had options when my former wife decided to end our marriage. Uh, the options, though, as I said, were not to change her, even though I think sometimes when people talk about working on their marriages, they, they really mean working on their spouse, getting their spouse to change. Uh, and I think I was guilty of that, too. I, I thought that the answer to making our marriage work instead of be stuck the way it was, was for her to change. And how often does that work? Uh, pretty much 0% of the time. Now, sometimes when you change your own behavior, that will change the dynamic between you and the other person will gradually change. Not always. You can't count on it. Everyone has free will. So it isn't something where you're pressing a button and you know that when you press that button, the candy bar is going to come out of the vending machine. But it is it, the likelihood of that person changing is better if you look at yourself and change. Agreed. Definitely better likelihood for sure. Uh, you know, I, uh, I've experienced radical acceptance both in the positive and negative like you have, Jeff, where, you know, there's some things that were really hard for me to accept. And it's funny because um, in one of the instances, it's the opposite of what you did. I actually, when I met Jeff and he told me about celiac disease and that he needed to eat gluten-free, I got used to every time we went out, he made sure everything he ordered was gluten-free and I didn't have to, and he didn't care. And I appreciated that he let me eat however I want. And I remember thinking that it would be the worst thing in the world to have any kind of food sensitivity or... <laughs> Um, and little did I know that within a few years, I would not only be eating gluten-free, but dairy-free and low FODMAP and caffeine-free. And let's see, what else do I avoid completely? Oh, Corn. Most grains, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, and, and I'm not going to go into all of that, but it's a ridiculous amount of food. I mean, if you think gluten's and everything, I mean, what I'm talking about, it's like half of all fruits and vegetables are like dangerous to me now. Yeah, that takes the radical acceptance of a medical condition to another level. <laughs> and, and I really thought, I mean, you know, I was like really, really horribly frustrated for a long time. And I, I kept trying to see what I could add back in and get away with. And ultimately, I decided everything that, you know, the doctors had recommended that I go off of, like, just aren't worth it anymore. And then in addition to whatever else I've noticed causes symptoms. Right. You know, if you get a, a medical diagnosis, say, of a terminal illness, then that's taking radical acceptance to another level. Now, there may be things you can do to prolong your life, you know, figure out a really clean diet to eat and, you know, go down the list of things that, that we might do to, to try uh, to prolong our own life. But it doesn't change what the diagnosis is. Uh, and it may not, you may, you know, have to accept that ultimately your best effort is not going to fix it. 
And, you know, we've seen people that have gone out of this life kicking and screaming and really upset uh, and fighting, fighting death. And it's painful. And, you know, that we've seen people that have gone more peacefully. And uh, when it came their time, they had prepared themselves and were able to to let go and and let God. And, you know, that's that the latter person is kind of how I want to be. But I think the same principle applies in every painful situation that we find ourselves. Except for the timing of radical acceptance, I think is important to apply with the serenity prayer in mind. And we've done a podcast before on the serenity prayer. You know, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. That's where we need radical acceptance. When we really know there is nothing we can change about it. Right. Um, The courage to change the things I can, which is where we don't want to just automatically apply radical acceptance when there's something we can do about it. Right. Um, And then the wisdom to know the difference, which again, helps us know where radical acceptance is really important and where it's not yet. We're not ready yet ready to, to go there. Yeah. We write a little bit about radical acceptance and intentional courtship. Another great resource. If, if you want to dig into this deeper, uh, Byron Katie wrote a best-selling book called Loving What Is. And, and in that, she goes through a very specific process of how uh, to go about radical acceptance uh, by changing our thoughts and so forth. And we're not going to go through all of that in this episode, but we recommend that book to you if this is a subject you're interested in. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I can think of some times when I did radical acceptance well before understanding what it was. I remember, I I know I tend to ruminate and I tend to go over and over in my mind, you know, things that I feel like are unfair or that I think should be different or conversations that I pretend to have in my, with other people in my head. You know, I'm sure everybody does that. But um, for me, I just remember, um, having a relationship and, um, a dating relationship. And I remember kind of being on the verge of my thoughts, just kind of spiraling, you know, downward into just chaos for hours. And I remember thinking that this particular dating partner had told me, isn't it amazing that plants and trees and flowers and grass can take poison and turn it into love and life? Yeah, and I I went I went and picked a a leaf off the tree. Um, it was fall, and it was um, turning a beautiful red maple leaf. It was a red, you know, kind of a greenish red um, uh, leaf. And I I just I I pressed it in a book and dried it, and I've kept it ever since, kind of as a reminder of how we can use radical acceptance to turn any kind of poison that comes into our life, whether it be in our bodies or in our relationships or in a circumstance and turn it into love and life and just allow our lives to develop from that experience and help us become better rather than bitter. Yeah, very well said. And I want to add one more layer to that, which 
I, I don't know that you're going to find this in a lot of the literature, but it's certainly out there. We as, I think the majority of our listeners are people of faith, probably not everyone, but, but I know that many of our listeners are. And I think that it's, it's very helpful to think of that verse in Romans, you know, all things work together uh, for good to them that love God, for them that love God. And if you really believe that, if you have faith in it, you can believe that God's in charge. Uh, that doesn't mean we passively sit by and do nothing, but it means that, you know, God is going to bring surprises into our life, good surprises. He's going to open doors of opportunity for us, and we still have to walk through those doors. But uh, if we believe that God's ultimately in charge and that, that uh, he's going to turn all of our bitterness into betterness <laughs> or all of our lemons into lemonade ultimately, then I think uh, it's easier to accept the trials that we experience in the moment when we're experiencing them. And, you know, I, I had a chance to think about this over the weekend. I, because of a family event involving our son, uh, I ended up spending a little time around my former wife and we didn't have a lot of conversation. There was a little bit of chit chat here and there. Uh, but I just remember thinking and feeling not with any malice or hostility toward her, but just how grateful I feel that things have worked out the way they, they have, uh, that I'm not still in that marriage and in that situation, even though it was really hard for me to let go of at the time. Well, if I had known how it was going to turn out, yeah, I wouldn't have grieved hardly at all. I mean, it would have, there would have been some, you would have a little bit. Yeah. There would have been the right amount. Yeah. But but I wouldn't have gone on for four years and been so painful where I was putting these judgments on it. Like, Oh, life is over. This isn't think, the way that my life was supposed to be. You yeah. Know? And I can think of several circumstances with my divorce and custody arrangements where I fought against the reality of things and, and then later wished I would have relaxed through the process and trusted that blessings were in store. And I, I do remember thinking maybe blessings are in store, but I didn't really trust it enough to have that peace. Right. And, and that's something I'm hoping through our Love and Later Years organization, through our group, that people who are maybe further along in the process of, of accepting and healing from divorce or, or death or, you know, loss of a loved one, um, that, you know, they can give some hope to those who are newer and kind of deer in the headlights, you know, feeling and feeling that ache of loss, um, you know, shine a light on, okay, these are some of the things that are possible, you know, that in your future. And uh, I, I do remember one really good decision I made that, uh, again, I didn't really understand radical acceptance, but I do remember doing it sometimes <laughs> and really saving myself a lot of pain. One of them was I ended up with a 50-50 custody arrangement. And I remember choosing 
to see the time I had without my children as a gift to work and provide financially for them and then be able to be with them more fully and uh, with better quality time when they were with me. Um, and also to even enjoy my social life as a single person and try to date. And um, I understand there's lots of different custody situations out there by people who might be listening. Um, but whatever the situation is, there's always a silver lining if you look for it and choose to see it that way. And I do think it helped me a lot. Um, this last weekend, I was really pretty ill after a, like a week long of like stomach, throat and chest conditions that I didn't even know if we'd get this podcast ready for, <laughs> for uh, Tuesday morning at the time we usually release it because we were out of our podcast, you know, <laughs> reserves. And um, if, if, it sound, if my voice sounds funny, it's because I still have a bit of a cold and a bit of a cough um, going on, but I'm just so grateful to be talking because I had to miss, and I'm really sad about this, I, I had to miss um, the graduation of Jeff's oldest son, and his youngest son came into town, which hardly ever happens, and the blessing of our first grandbaby. I stayed home through all of that because I was sick, and I'll, I'll tell you what, on Mother's Day, staying home by myself, that kind of stunk. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, it was, but, but. I remember we cleaned up the house Saturday night and um, I remember just kind of going to bed with this thought, okay, if I, if I have to miss this because it's the right thing to do for my body and for, you know, not spreading germs or whatever, I am going to try and enjoy the time I have to myself with control of the TV, with, you know, the remote in my hand, <laughs> no one wanting to watch anything else. And I just can rest and relax and self-care and, you know, and take all the time I need to drink all the liquids I need and, you know, all that stuff. So, I mean, I do think sometimes we're going to vacillate between, you know, our frustration, missing stuff we want to be to. And I, I think that's perfectly acceptable. I mean, that's part of being human. I mean, is being disappointed when we don't get what we really would have preferred to have. Right. Um, well, at the same time, recognizing when things have to change and, you know, rolling with it and loving the part that, you know, we can love about it. Right. You know, I think as as we've been talking about this, if I go back to that faith layer of this issue uh, <clears throat> and how faith can enhance radical acceptance, I'm really drawn to a lot of stories in the Old Testament where people are in these impossible situations and yet God blesses and prospers them in those situations. You know, like King David facing when, when he was a child, not king yet, uh, a child facing a giant. And he, he steps up and makes this tremendous profession of faith when he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine to defy the armies of the living God? And you think, wow, what courage. Well, that courage comes from faith. And, you know, he ultimately 
defeated the giant the same way he had defeated a lion at one other time to protect his sheep. And he knew that if the power of God was in him, that, that things were going to work out. And, you know, I look at Joseph who's sold into Egypt. That's probably my favorite of these stories because I felt sold into Egypt by my first wife when we got divorced. You know, I felt like I'd been betrayed and all the other stuff we think. And, and yet he's sold as a slave and it talks about how God prospered him in the house of Potiphar by making him ruler over Potiphar's house. And then he goes to prison for a crime he didn't commit. And Elder Christofferson says he might have said, so this is what I get for keeping the law of chastity. But he didn't. He ended up being prospered even in the prison and being made the head prisoner by the, the keeper of the prison and so forth. And ultimately, through an improbable series of events, is not only released from prison, but becomes the Pharaoh's right-hand person, almost like, you know, the prime minister of the country. Uh, and he's married to a member of the royal family, and he's wealthy beyond imagination. And he uses his power to save the country from famine and ultimately saves his own family from famine. And when he meets his brothers, he forgives them. When they come to Egypt looking for grain, he forgives them. And he says, don't be angry with yourselves that you did this to me because it wasn't you that sent me here. It was God because I had to come here and preserve life and even save your lives with a great deliverance. And so really amazing all things work together for good to them that love God. Well, certainly in Joseph's case, all things worked together for him. And I mean, I could go through another example, you know, one example after another, Moses coming up to the sea and he's being chased by Pharaoh's armies and the waters part. I mean, come on, that's like another impossible situation. But the Old Testament is full of all of these impossible situations that people find themselves in, these immense trials. And it sh every one of them shows the power of deliverance that God has. Okay, so what do all of these stories have to do with radical acceptance? Well, like I said, in my own situation, if I had known how great my life was going to be later and the the fact that that divorce was happening was going to open the door to a much happier marriage and, you know, that I was going to have career opportunities arise because of it and, and all of that. Well, yeah, I wouldn't have had nearly the level of grief that I did uh, because, because of the faith, because of the belief that, okay, I'm accepting that this is a particular thing that I'm going through now, but God's in charge and it's ultimately going to be okay. You know, I think that's a, a pretty great example of how much hope we can have if we'll just be patient with God and his timing and his plans for us. 
Right. And part of that is accepting that whatever it is we're going through is part of our path. Yes. And that's something we've been talking about a lot lately. And I know there's a lot of people who take some exception to the idea that divorce could be part of our paths because, you know, it's never what we <laughs> envision for ourselves. And it's certainly ne never anything we plan on because we don't that, you know, when we're sincerely getting married, we never get married to get divorced. Uh, but our belief is that if it happened, it it was part of the path because it happened. Right. And I mean, we can accept it. The, that radical acceptance, if it's already happened or if it is happening and there's nothing we can do to stop it, like, you know, the, that serenity prayer, you know, accept the things I cannot change. Right. Right. Um, and then if we accept those things we cannot change, then I think we recognize it as part of our life story, you know, part of our life story. And it doesn't have to be our whole life and it doesn't have to end there. And it doesn't have to be so tragic. Yeah, sometimes I tell my life and relationship coaching clients uh, to picture God sitting up on his heavenly throne, looking down on them and saying, just be patient, kid. I've got something much better for you, much better than you realize. And that everything that has happened to me is taking me in that direction of, of those blessings. All right. So Kathy, what are your final thoughts on this important subject of radical acceptance? Well, you know, I think as we've been talking, the idea came to me, and this is like the first time I've ever really thought this, but radical acceptance isn't just about the painful things in our lives, but also the blessings that come. I think sometimes when we've lost a lot, we might not feel ready to accept a blessing that comes along. And, of you know, of course, we need to be prayerful about it and know what we can trust and, and you know, maybe what we shouldn't. But I think sometimes we avoid things that are good for us. Right. Because we don't know how to radically accept a blessing. Right. And my friend Victoria Wynn, our friend Victoria Wynn, says that she's just one good butt kicking away from being humbled. And <laughs> I, uh, I can relate to that. Uh, but that doesn't make any good thing that happens to us before that not real. Uh, you know, whatever happened to you that was good was real, even if you got your butt kicked later. Well, that's not exactly what I was going for, but... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, she was a guest on our podcast. If you want to listen to her whirlwind romance, it's really fun. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm actually more thinking along the lines of radically accepting big blessings that come our way and being able and willing and ready to take advantage of them by making good choices. Right. And I think that, that the only point to what I was just saying is that we can stop and appreciate and enjoy what we have now. And I've heard Brene Brown talk a lot of times about how someone stands over the crib of their infant child and this powerful love starts washing over them. And then they think, what if something happens to him or her? And it immediately steals your joy. Well, 
part of radical acceptance is allowing that joy to just be unmitigated. Mm, yeah, that's what I was going for. Yes, right. better example. <laughs> <laughs> um, all food for thought. And, you know, I just really quickly wanted to... Um, to tie this radical acceptance into how we see love languages, because we um, recently released on our on LilyTube, our YouTube channel, a video about implementing love languages, and you know we think that that the use of love languages can be very helpful. And, and we're not going to get into the details here. You can go to our YouTube channel and watch that. But I just wanted to mention when it comes to radical acceptance, I. I think that's mainly the idea that we we use to make sure that we're using the love languages correctly. For instance, um, some people might be tempted to demand their partner love them in a certain way because, you know, my love language is this and this is what I need. And so you need to give it to me. Um, and what we want to encourage people to do rather is to use love languages only to improve the way you love yourself, love the way you love your partner and your children and, and those around you, and also to recognize and, and be able to start receiving the love other people offer with their own language they're using, and maybe start being able to speak a little bit more languages, you know, so to speak. And then also being able to ask for what you want, but without demanding it. Um, right. So that we can go back to real love, like Dr. Greg Bear talked about on our podcast with him. And anyway, so just, just food for thought and how radical acceptance ties into our, um, our focus on um, the love languages and how to use them properly to increase love um, in your life. <laughs> You know, there's this very popular Facebook group where I have seen umpteen times somebody saying, my partner knows that my primary love language is this, that, and the other, and yet he or she does this, that, and the other instead. And, you know, that's, uh, that's obviously not a correct application of the principle. Right. And I think it's radically accepting our partner's choices and and trying to receive the way they love us and being willing to improve the way we love rather than trying to demand it from anyone. But I do think we can ask for what we want right. as long as we're accepting of what we get. Right, and radically accept the differences between two people. Right. So radical acceptance, lots to think about. And um, I, I know I've been happier in my life and I've healed a lot faster from what could have become a lot of dirty pain when I've chosen this path of acceptance when something doesn't go the way I planned or thought it might or hoped it would um, and realized, you know, and granted myself that serenity to accept what, um, what I can't change. Right. And uh, be able to see where I can change it and have that wisdom to know the difference. Right. And I will commend to you that through radical acceptance, any time is a great time for more love in your life. Thank you for listening. Subscribe to LilyPod and get notice of each new weekly episode. If you enjoy what you heard, give us a positive review. 
We want to reach as many mid-singles and later married couples as possible, so please share this podcast with those you love. To access fabulous free content like written articles and YouTube videos on LilyDube, and to learn about our book Intentional Courtship and Lily Coaching Services, visit loveinlateryears.com.